Welcome to the Money Tree Real Estate Investor Podcast, where we learn from real estate professionals across the industry. They will share about how they got into real estate, the big wins they have celebrated, the mistakes they have made along the way, and the advice they have for anyone following in their footsteps. Money really does grow on trees. Hey everybody, it's William Holland here for another episode of the Money Tree Real Estate Investor Podcast. I have a special guest today, Matt Faircloth. He's uh, really involved with Bigger Pockets. He's an author. Uh, he's an owner operator. Uh, Matt, I'd love to hear a little bit of of your story. I know, I know, we talked a lot uh, beforehand. William, it's an honor to have me here. Thank you. Uh, so thanks for being on your show. And I say hello and good morning, and good afternoon to all your guests, man. This is going to be a fun conversation. Absolutely, yes, sir. So, so I know you you were adopted, actually. So I'd love to hear that yeah. story and. I know there's a really happy ending with being uh, able to reconnect with your birth birth mother as well. Yeah, yeah, man. So I'm um, not afraid to say it. I'm uh, 47 years old. I was born in 1975. Um, and the world was different then uh, when it came to uh, when it, when it came to adoptions and pregnancies and that kind of stuff. So, um, my, uh, my birth mother, uh, got pregnant with me out of wedlock, um, and went to her, uh, you know, very, very faithful family. And they said, Oh, let's just sweep this under the rug. And they moved her into a home for unwed mothers. Um, and she, uh, had me at the home for unwed mothers and they told her two brothers that she had gone to study abroad. Right. Uh, and that, and so they, so she had me in the home from one mothers and they put me up for adoption in, um, in, in Baltimore where I, where I was born. And then she, uh, after I was born, went back to Philadelphia, uh, where she was from, uh, and, and that, so that's, I, I was, uh, through, through a, an organization called Catholic charities. I was, uh, you know, connected with a birth family. Uh, there in Baltimore where I grew up. Uh, and I was always told I was adopted as a kid. So, I mean, I, I just don't remember them getting me because I was only like two months old, uh, lived in a foster home for two months, uh, while they were finding me a family. My name, my original name was Timothy, believe it or not, okay. not Matthew, you know? Um, but they named me Matthew when they got me because Matthew biblically means a gift from God. Um, and so, uh, that's what they were because they didn't think they could have kids. My, my, you know, my parent, my mom and dad, didn't think they could get pregnant. And so they, you know, this was a gift from God, right. To have a child come into their home. Um, and there's interesting data there, William, on the amount of families that adopt a child because they think they can't get pregnant on their own and end up getting pregnant after the, <laughs> because it's like, it takes that pressure off. It opens up. It, you kind of like own your presence as a mom and dad. And then like that energy's there. And so now you can, right. So they then had a child later, my sister, Jessica, um, in that, that I, uh, that I grew up with. And so I was adopted. She was not, she, uh, you, you know, and, um, but we all like, we're okay with that story and with that part of me. And that was fine. It was funny. William is I got teased a lot about it as a kid. Um, because Pete, cause you know how kids are, right. They like to throw out something they think they can get to you. Right. So oh, yeah. I get teased a lot because they thought that it would bother me. They thought that it would, um, you know, it would be something they could get to me because what kids want to do. Right. But it was so funny because it was like calling me left-handed, you know, it's like, well, yeah, so what, you know, I mean, it's like me saying, you know, William, you're wearing a purple, you know, like a maroon sweater. Well, yeah, of course I am. This is what I've just had to put on today and I am adopted. That's what it is. It's just a part of me. Um, and so I never, and I've met, I've many, many friends that are adopted too. Unfortunately, not all of them accept it as well as I did only because I just, just luckily my parents told me about it early. They used to have gotcha parties. Like they'd have a party for me on the day they got me. It's like, this is the day you're born. And this mm -hmm. is December. I was born on October the 4th. 
December the 17th was the day they got me. And so they would have a party for me on both those days. So, you know, a little like, hey, it's the day we got you. And so early, I don't remember when they told me, like maybe two, maybe three, somewhere in there. So, uh, so that's my very, very, very origin story on coming into this earth. <laughs> yeah, that's really cool. You know, and, and I, I've got a chance to record a episode uh, this afternoon with Whitney Sewell on his podcast. And, you know, he does amazing work for the, the people that are trying to adopt, you know, and adoption is like really giving people such a, a great opportunity to, to grow up in a, a good family. Whitney has funded so many adoptions and uh, he takes a lot. I mean, that you talk about having a why, and we've talked about that offline. That's his why is to put children into good homes and, and everything like that. And he's funded so many adoptions for people that can't afford it themselves, but help them with it and whatnot. And he's got many beautiful, he's got, you know, multiple beautiful adopted children of his own. Um, he is very close man to my heart and, uh, and I think the world of him and, uh, and he knows that I'm, a, he knows my story as well. And we've shared the, a bit about a, a bit of that too. And I just really look up to him for what he's been able to do. So kudos for having him on your show. Absolutely. Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah, I'm super excited. You know, and I, yeah. I just I always like to to try to make the, the first portion of the episode personal, you know, because yeah. real, real estate is is just a business. And at the end of the day, you know, I care so much more about relationships and people yeah. and building connections. So really appreciate you just being able to share that today. Mm -hmm. there you go. No problem. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy. Nobody ever wants to talk about it, but I'm happy to share it. You know, again, it's like, you know, it's one of those things that just, it's just a part of myself. Um, but it's something that, uh, I'm, I'm very, you know, willing to go there on and, uh, and, and to be even further, William, I think I was blessed by getting in, in with such a great family that did adopt me. Uh, and I feel so lucky and blessed to have that, that I felt like I had God's hand on me to get into that and in getting into that new family that I, have never forgotten that. And I've never forgotten that everybody gets a second chance. Everybody gets a second shot. Everybody gets, you know, as many re as many control alt deletes as they want. Right. Um, and so I, uh, I believe that, that in my business, that it's our job is to, to transform lives through real estate, to give that grace to other people too. Um, whether those be our tenants, uh, our employees, those that work in or for our business, I try and see the, the, the inner goodness of everyone, uh, when I work with them, because I know that everybody deserves the second shot that I got. Yeah, no, I, I love that so much, you know, and I am a man of faith as well. And that's one of my prayers, you know, I, I want the business to be profitable, obviously, yeah. You know, but it's like I, I pray for investors, I pray for partners, I pray for tenants, I pray for the communities that surrounding the apartments. And I also, you know, even if people don't want to invest with me, if they don't want to be a partner, you know, I want to inspire them like I'm I'm pursuing, you know, something that I'm passionate about and something that I'm I'm gifted at. And like I want to inspire other people to do the same because everybody has has unique gifts and, and goals and things that they want to do. And a lot of times it's just fear that holds them back. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I mean, it's fear that holds them back, but also I can tell you doing a difference for other people is addictive, you know, um, and doing right by people. I mean, seriously, just go serve for a little bit, you know, go help somebody go like brighten someone's day. And the more you do it, the more you want to do it. And you can, people think like, oh, well, I can only do that in my personal life. No, you could run a business that does good. And, and I, and, and I mean, I've, I've, uh, I haven't coined the phrase yet. So somebody else can, can use it too, if they want, uh, which is make money while we make a difference. 
you know, and because it's okay to make a profit, but it's also okay to make a profit while we do good. You don't have to be a not-for-profit to, to be good by others. You can make a profit while you help people. And that's okay. And it's okay to do both. And it's it's possible and it's actually meaningful and it's actually necessary to be able to do both. Definitely. You know, so so kind of moving towards the the real estate side of the conversation. So I know you've sure. got a lot of experience, you know, looking over your bio, you've done single family, you've done some office, you've done apartments and have several, you know, thousand units under ownership now. So how did you kind of move in that direction? And and then how did you kind of get involved with bigger pockets as well? Yeah, that's a bigger, the bigger practicing is a different story, but, um, cause then that's, it's a good one, but I'll, I'll tell that one in a minute here. The, um, the, uh, how we got involved in real estate to begin with was my lovely wife, Liz was my girlfriend at the time. And right when we started dating, she put a little purple book in my hand called rich dad, poor dad. And you probably heard a, a, a million people talk about, it. I mean, you know, literally millions of people have read that book and it's changed their lives. And, um, and uh, that book, I, I'm no different. That book changed my life for the better and completely turned me in to the entrepreneur that I am because it taught me about investing in assets to make money versus work trading hours for dollars. And so that was the why. And we just Liz and I just chose real estate as our vehicle because we knew we we knew Liz and I wanted to make a difference. We wanted to build something that was sustainable, that helped a lot of people, that was a benefit to many. And so we chose real estate because we saw that real estate, how many like lives real estate touches, whether that's a residential home or a shopping center or an apartment building or an office building or whatever it is, all real estate affects people's lives in some way, or at least good real estate investments do, right? And so we chose real estate because we knew that it was something that we could move the needle of a difference for people if we got involved in, right? Um, so that's our that's our big why now. I mean, there's, you know, we started small. How we got into everything we did is we just did it inch by inch. We just did, you know, one deal after another, started with what we could handle, started with, started with what our bandwidth of possibility was with what we believed that we could do. And as we did a deal, we go, okay, let's buy a duplex. Okay. That worked. That's great. Let's expand mm -hmm. our possibility. Let's try a four family that worked. That's great. Let's try a string of four families. Let's try an office building. Let's try, you know, this and that. So for, for good and for bad, William, we tried a lot of different things. So that's kind of how we've done a lot of different things is we dabbled a lot. And I don't recommend dabbling, but we ended up dabbling a lot as we grew. Uh, once we got focused is when we really took off. Yeah, I love that. You know, I, I try to surround myself with a lot of different mentors. And I think that gives, you know, me and, and other people that do that a competitive edge, you know, yeah. because you get to learn from their mistakes. And, you know, at the end, I'll, I'll ask you, you know, what are some of the mistakes that you've made to just hmm. share that knowledge with other listeners as well. But one of my mentors, you know, he's encouraged me time and time again, to to go go narrow and go deep rather than, you know, going broad and, and trying to become an expert at a lot of different things. Cause ultimately you can't get a wise mentor. expert at very many things. Yeah. You get a wise mentor. Um, I didn't do that. I went, I went wide and shallow, uh, for a very long time, which is how I've, I know how to wholesale. I know how to fix and flip. I know how to buy office buildings. I know how to do, uh, I do do this a little bit. Of this, blah, 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 right. Because I've done a lot of things as I dabbled a bit 
But I also needed to dabble to find my passion and to find right. out like, okay, this is how I can implement my mission. This is how I can implement my why uh, to make a difference in people's lives. And that is through residential landlording and through residential housing. Uh, this is that, that was our focus. Now we've grown deeply and we've, we've looked at, we're actually looking again at new asset classes beyond because we've really quadrupled down on residential housing for a very <laughs> long time. And so- yeah, we're probably going to be expanding beyond that. But it was through that focus that that allowed us to grow and scale. When when we said no to the fix and flips and said no to everything else and just said yes to residential rental housing, you know, that was when we scaled. Right. Yeah. And I, I love that journey, you know, because it does it does take time to figure out what you're passionate about and, you know, what you're gifted at. But then once you figure that out, you know, it's time to to focus for the long term. You yeah. know, and I think once you become an expert, then it then it's okay to, you know, establish some different paths and you know, build your team out a little bit more and develop some different asset classes. Yeah. You know, so I, I think beyond, like your journey has been a great Yeah, because it goes back to the mission, right? It goes back to why am I here? Why am I doing this? Right. Um, but you can't ask that question when it comes to like, okay, this fix and flip deal is going to help transform lives through real estate. And so is this rental deal. And so is this wholesale deal. And so is this, so is that. No, you got to focus and bring your mission to that one thing, right? And how can I implement my, my mission and the one thing that I'm doing? And then I do that over and 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 over again. And as Brent, my buddy, Brandon Turner has said, if I'm trying to like, if where I'm standing now is where I am and financial freedom is an island over here. If I just build one bridge to that island, I'll get to that island much faster than building seven bridges. But- oh, yeah. But once you're on the island and once you've achieved that level of success that you want, then it becomes mission-based. Even William, if you think about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? The very top of Maslow's hierarchy of needs is inner purpose and implementing your mission and doing his work and everything like that at the very top. There are things down the bottom rung that you got to meet first, you know, housing, shelter, and in business, you know, sustainability, uh, and beyond that legacy and paying your bills and those kinds of things, those are important too. And it's focus that gets you those, you know? Passive investors in real estate are able to receive a check every month. Some people call that mailbox money. We say money really does grow on trees. Visit the website at biggerpictureholdings.com where we have a ton of free resources to help you learn more about planting your very own money tree. So you, you mentioned Brandon Turner. Obviously, he's one yeah. of the most famous Bigger Pockets people. Yeah. Um, how did you make those connections with Bigger Pockets and what are you doing today to help continue promoting That's that funny. community? I've, I've, yeah, I, we've, me and Brandon have interacted many times over the years and uh, I, I, I do call him a friend and everything like that. But um, he, I don't know if he remembers this story uh, that, I'll, that I'll tell you briefly. And I haven't had a chance to tell him. I, I, I want to tell him this in a, in a moment that it's appropriate to remind him of this. And, and he may remember, he may not. Um, Liz, my wife, uh, found this new organization that was this blog that people were writing stories on and they had a reasonable podcast and they're starting to rise and more and more people were talking about it. And that was Bigger Pockets. Um, and that was back in 2013, I think. And okay. she reached out to them and said, you know, my husband and I are rising real estate investors and we've got a great story and we'd love to be contributors for you guys and write articles because they were looking for more people to write articles um, for uh, bigger pockets, right? 
And so this one is much, much smaller organization than it is now. And so Liz schedules a meeting and the person that we had the meeting was with was Brandon Turner, right? So like Liz and I are doing a conference call and he's vetting us to decide if we're worthy of writing articles for, and it was bigger pockets at that point was like Josh Dorkin, Mindy Jensen and Brandon. Like those were the, like that was the entire company. And now it's like a, you know, like a hundred person company or whatever, but um, yeah. So we're on this call Brandon and we're talking about everything we're doing and everything like that. And I keep, I'm talking about it and I'm like, I keep talking, I keep calling the organization better pockets. Right. Oh, no. Better pockets. The whole time on the call, I keep calling it better. And well, so we think that we can be great contributors for better pockets. And uh, we've done some, you know, art, and I've read some other articles on betterpockets.com and this <laughs> and that. And I look down at my cell phone. My wife's in another room, right? Because we're both okay. like on a conference call and yeah. the phone's just blowing up like text <laughs> message in like big capital letters idiot. It's bigger pockets. Cool. Oh, no. It's bigger pockets. You know, and she just uh-huh. like, Blowing me up, like just text, 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 text. Like, why is my phone vibrating like that? What's the matter? You know? Then if I looked at I looked at it towards the end of the call, but like we must have said something right that Brandon was okay with, and he probably laughed it off because Brandon's that kind of guy and he gives a lot of people grace. So he approved us to write articles. And then um Liz and I wrote articles for bigger pockets for a year. A year, William. Wow. And people were like, think that I just stumbled onto the podcast and just happened to get picked up or whatever for episode number 88, which is our first podcast. Not the case. We read articles for a year for bigger pockets every week, every week wrote 1500 word articles as one of their contributors. And they had a podcast guest cancel on a Sunday evening. Okay. And that show was supposed to go on Monday. They were supposed to interview on Monday and Sunday, the day before the big guest canceled and said, I can't do it. Uh, you know, you can't make your show tomorrow. And they needed to record because they're really far behind and needed a recording. And so Liz gets a phone call from Mindy Jensen saying, we need a guest. Do you guys want to go on? And Liz and I were like, oh my God, yeah. We're oh, wow. Like we had a six month old at the time, right? So if you yeah. listen to episode 88 very, very closely, you can hear my son, my six month old crying in the background. Who's now, He's not nine, by the way. Um, but you can hear him crying in the background and whatnot. So much so that Brandon told me later, he remembers writing Josh Dorkin a message saying, Hey man, are your kids up or why, why, are, why do I hear kids, you know, crying? Cause Brand, uh, Josh has young kids, had young kids that were my uh-huh. kid's age at the time too. Um, and didn't know whose kid that was, but it was my kid, like, you know, crying in the next room while we were on the podcast and that just trying to make it work. We didn't have time to arrange childcare. So that's hilarious. Isn't that great? And they were off that. the races. And there's there was life before that show, and there's life after that show. And and it made the world a difference. And I uh pinch myself every day that I'm blessed enough to say that I am a I a regular contributor to the organization. It evolved. Um, we continue to write articles, we've done more and more speaking for them, more and more contributing to them. I, I'd like to think that Liz and I are good friends with a lot of the folks at BP. Um, and uh they approached me a few years ago to write a book for them, which that's how raising private capital mm-hmm. came up. Uh, proud to say more further way and we're about to release a second edition of it um, hey, let's go capital so with a full a, a apple a prologue by uh pace by pace morby a man i look up to as well and i wrote i wrote some new content for it as well too so look out for that yes sir that's exciting can't wait yeah yeah so that's how bigger pockets came in william because liz and i were in the right place at the right time and then we were willing to do the work that was in front of us so many many people try and infiltrate bigger pockets now i get it's a different organization now um 
But my guidance to those listening, whatever door opens for you, understand that on the other side of that door that opens, that is opportunity. And the other side of that door is a treadmill, right? And you got to get, then you got to get on that treadmill and do the work. There is likely not a briefcase full of a million dollars on the other side of the the Mm -hmm. door of opportunity. The door of opportunity works, you walk through it, then you begin to do the work. And then maybe you become lucky enough that you become that the, the, the big profits hit once you're willing to do the work and faithfully go forward and continue to have faith that you walk through the right door over and over and over again and keep going. Exactly. Yeah, I, I got yeah. a chance to sit down with uh, Cushman Wakefield's managing principal here in Dallas yesterday. So hey, he's the talk top, about dog, that. top dog. He's 35 years old. So um, just, you know, really exceptional guy. He's a man of faith as well. And, you know, that was one of the things that we talked about yesterday. So I, I went through the whole process of getting ready to submit an LOI yesterday on a roughly a $35 million property, um, you know, and, and ultimately I ended up, you know, just coming in a little bit under what the whisper price was. And, you know, so I, mm-hmm. I talked to the broker and just said, hey, I'm, I'm not going to submit an offer. I know you guys are going to get bigger offers. Um, but I, I talked to the lenders. I talked to insurance. I talked to potential partners. I pitched it to KPs. Like I did, I did the reps. You did the work. You know, I did all the work and I understand that process really well. And, you know, this one didn't work out, but like you just keep taking steps forward, like you said, and, you know, eventually yeah. like potentially, you know, you're going to put yourself in a situation where, you know, you send the letter, it gets accepted. you close the deal and, you know, then hey man, it's listen, the races. I'll give you one little bit of advice. Next time, submit the offer anyway. All right. Do it. Because more and more deals are selling to the second and third bidder, you know, because uh, the first bidder gets in and you realize the first bidder is the highest bidder because they didn't have their act together or didn't do everything you just said you had done. And so they misanalyzed the deal, which gave them a higher strike price than you had, right? Maybe the number you put out there is really the right number that the property ought to trade for. And maybe the seller is going to realize uh, after a little bit of, a little bit of going down the wrong road with the wrong buyer that that maybe you are a better bet, right? Um, I can't tell you how many times that we turned in offers on properties, didn't get the deal, and then we got a phone call, you know, saying, hey, is that offer still good? So uh, yeah, and I'm not criticizing, I'm just giving you advice because I've been second best a number of times. And you might've been like 10th best, you know, um, yeah, but that, but that doesn't mean that after making a good impression on the, you know, the higher up at Cushman and Wakefield that they don't say, Hey, I see something in this guy, William, right. you know? Um, and, and so I, I'm, I know I'm preaching the choir a little bit, but, uh, and I'll tell this to your, to those that are listening as well, always turn in the bid, even if it's low, if you're a little embarrassed to turn it in, that's okay. Cause the embarrassing mm-hmm. bids might start getting more and more attention as this economy continues to change. Absolutely. No, I think that's wonderful, man. So I got two last questions for you. We'll finish Please. with the, uh, start with the first one. Uh, lessons learned. So what's some mistakes that you've made in real estate or, you know, just some things that could, could be uh, cognizant of, you know, as, as the listeners are trying to put deals together or trying to passively invest, you know, what are some things to watch out for? Oh boy. Um, I mean, we already, I think we already alluded to staying focused, right? And so the mistake there is being scattered and trying to do too much, right? Um, the other thing, uh, William, is uh, not asking for help and assuming that you can figure things out all the time. I think that asking for help, raising your hand and saying, hey, I'm not sure about this, or I don't have a contact in this industry, so I'll just Google who the best 
you know, 1031 exchange intermediary is. I'll just Google that instead of asking my CPA. Real life example, I did that. And I like looked online and found someone who seemed to be well discovered and actually had been written up well on bigger pockets and everything like that, right? Um, and I could have just gone to my CPA and my CPA would have said, oh yeah, call this company. This is the largest 1031 exchange custodian in the world and they're bonded and they have um, insurance and everything like that to make sure your money's safe. Did not do that, William. Used the company that had good marketing uh, and, and had and had a lot of you know pretty pictures on their websites and nice articles written about them, which came out later were written by them as well. It was all smoke and mirrors, and I ended up going with the 1031 exchange custodian who was actually running a Ponzi scheme. So, um, and so I ended up having our money uh, absconded. Uh, the good news is we got it back. Uh, you know, but it took a while to get it back and it took a lot of pain, blood, sweat, literal blood, sweat, and tears, um, to get the money back. But we did, but had I just gone to someone that has connections outside of my own and asked them for, Hey, I need a contact, um, in that, but my story was William, that I'm going to be bothering my CPA, you know, with this stupid little thing. I'll just figure it out on my own. He's probably going to give me the same company anyway. So I'll just Google it. Right. So um, do the due diligence when you end up do, do, doing business with people and don't assume that you know more than someone who's an expert. Absolutely. Yeah, that's such wise advice. Um, so the last thing I want to finish on, just want to give you the platform, shine the spotlight on you. What's your proudest accomplishments so far? Part of like, you know, part of it was getting that money back. You know, I mean, William, we're talking, I mean, we're talking, you know, big dog money around. This is three quarters of a million dollars. Um, that was stolen. And we were part of a Ponzi scheme that absconded $6.5 million. So I was a piece of that puzzle. But through diligence, through a lot of prayer and a lot of connection, a lot of networking and a lot of mm -hmm. putting people together and saying, hey, as a larger voice, and I was part of the assemblage of this. And I made a lot of phone calls to people that I had met on BP and whatever that were involved in this Ponzi scheme as well. And we assembled a group of people that formed a class action suit. And because I, we formed that larger group that I helped coordinate, we were able to get our money back. Had we tried to do it individually, wouldn't have had enough weight, but this bigger group could afford to hire a big time lawyer that shook this guy's cage really, really hard and got, and got us, uh, got us almost all the money back, which I'm really grateful for. So the, the story there, William, is to, you know, be a leader, as best you can and don't ever give up that if you find yourself what do they say if you find yourself if you find yourself going through hell keep going it's winston churchill you know <laughs> yeah and so if you find just just you know keep trudging through the muck if you find yourself in the muck keep walking you will get through that it's just that's not what you're you know the, the that's not where you're supposed to be long-term, but sometimes you get tested. Sometimes you get tried and sometimes you've got to prove your muscle and, and that, and the light will shine again. And so if you find yourself in trouble, you find yourself through anything, the worst thing you can do is quit. That's the only way you lose is if you quit, right? The, the, the way that you win is to get, is to take a right hook directly in the chin and get knocked onto the mat and then get back up, right? That's the way you win. The winners are not ones that have just never gotten hit. Winners are ones those that have gotten that have gotten hit a million times and then got back up and, and did it again and say, okay, I'll try again. I'll keep trying. You know, quitters are only people that stop working and, and right, don't have yeah. the faith to, to say that I'll find the wind, I'll find, I'll find the equation right. I'll I'll figure it out. Just give me one more shot, you know.
Yeah. And the last thing I'd like to point out about that, you know, is, is crazy gets back up and does the same thing over and over, you know, but, yeah. but the winners get back up and are willing to, to nuance things, to try different yeah. things and, you know, take, take different risks. Yeah. To try something different, you know, like right now, multifamily is a tough game to get into. Um, but, uh, you can get into multifamily if you, or if you're willing to come in creative, um, maybe find, uh, maybe find off the market stuff, maybe, uh, find brokers that believe in you as it sounds like you have, that's great. Um, brokers that are willing to give you a crack at the, uh, crack at the egg, maybe a little bit before, every, before everybody else does. Um, and also try on asset classes. And I'm not saying get in the mobile home parks or, uh, self-storage or whatever. I'm saying that, you know, maybe there's something out there that's a nuance that, that hasn't been tried by anybody else. It's maybe a little less crowded. Multifamily is great. It's it's housing. Everybody needs it. So we should be investing in multifamily, but there's got to be some sort of a twist you can put onto it to do things a little bit differently than the other guy is um, to try and get attention uh, from buyers, brokers, uh, or those that are in other asset classes and investors too. Absolutely, Matt. Well, man, it's been a pleasure to have you today. I've enjoyed just hearing your story and uh, hopefully we can have you on again at some point. Honored to be honored to William. I always love uh, it. Just I, I I love being able to teach and and uh, and, and talk to people. And I appreciate your uh, giving us the opportunity to do that. So happy to come back on anytime you'll have me. Like and subscribe below. A new episode will air every Tuesday at seven a.m. Are you looking for more content? Visit our website, BiggerPictureHoldings.com. And remember, money really does grow on trees.